This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to the final hour. Counting you down to LSU and Ole Miss. The Magnolia Bowl, the 105th meeting between these two rivals, the Ole Miss Rebels and the LSU Tigers tonight. About an 8-10 kickoff here in Death Valley where the Rebels come in at 3-3 and and 1-2 and and LSU is 4-2 and and 2 and one coming up in a moment. Parrish Offutt has been with me since 2005. When we're talking Ole Miss Rebel football, he's now with the Ole Miss Daily Journal. And Brian Lazar, senior writer at TigerBait.com, joins us as well. Looking at some uh, afternoon scores, uh, T. Bob, interesting one. Things tightening up in Tuscaloosa. A&M with the football, second and ten at the Bama 47. Yeah. They trail Bama 20 to 14. They were up 14, 13. Yes, just a little bit ago. that is uh, 5:58 left to play in the third. Western Michigan uh, starting to stretch their legs. The 20th ranked WMU ball club over rival Eastern Michigan 31 to 17. The future LSU coach, yeah, PJ um, Flat. I tell you what, he's got a uh, he's He's got a lot of momentum behind him. I would think, you know, because of his where he's located at T-Bob in that region, probably one of those guys that who knows maybe when you're thinking about what could come of what could, what could come available. I'm sure he's got to be on the Penn State radar. Some mm-hmm. school, you know, programs oh, yeah, yeah, up there absolutely. like that in the eastern, northeastern. No, I mean it's, look, it's, it's But it's no, his still, name. Look, his name is hot. Obviously, Peterson is hot at Washington. But I mean, you know, if you build Washington up, I mean, they're in a power conference. I mean, they got some tradition there. Don James was for, a guy that Nick Saban credits a lot of his uh, success to, and a for, guy like Don James. So I mean, they, they've got some history at Washington. For what it's worth, with Peterson as well. Um, I, look, I, this is nothing concrete. I, I do know someone who played for Peterson, though, at Boise State. I was talking to him about it because, whatever, you're just throwing ideas out there. He seemed to be pretty adamant that uh, that Peterson's kind of a West Coast type of guy. Yeah. That he doesn't that he doesn't think he would want to live in Baton Rouge. So that does end. But that's the problem, Deke, is when you talk about the coaching search or potential coaching search, yeah. depending on how this year plays out. It may all if if a guy's gonna if they want if they're living a certain place. I mean that. Well, look, well and your family. I mean that's <laughs> right off the top. You will know as you know? as odd as it is. Even though LSU remains an incredible opportunity, an incredible job. Maybe it's just because they're aiming so high. The targets that you would seek to go after, it does seem like it would be a bit of an uphill battle to convince them. But that's neither here nor there really, Deke. I mean, it's fun to play with, but it is all theoretical at this point because, uh, look, the athletic director, Joe Oliva, said it. This is a tryout for Coach O these last few games, these last five games of the season. If he could be the potential guy moving forward, it's as we discussed uh, at length on this program in the past is – I think just approaching the conversation, you got to ask yourself, do you believe LSU in need of a full slate cleaning, a, a full reset, wiping it all, starting over? Or was this a school who, look, the stock's falling, investors are losing confidence. Was a CEO change enough? Right now, it looked like that CEO change is exactly what the program needed, and it's paying dividends. Obviously, we'll find out the full depth and truth of that statement uh, within these next five weeks. But the reason why I'm kind of attracted to the idea of a CEO change is I do not believe this to be a program that was fully broken or a program in no. full need of a reset. I think you have a lot of good assets here still, whether it be something. Dave Aranda, 
Tommy Moffitt, the last Coach O recruiting, and you want to try to hold on to those assets. Pe- people who have really kept up with the program, even the movers and shakers, the, the big people behind closed doors. The, when the program was in a, on a, in a dire, desperate situation, was from Hallman to Donato. Yeah. Okay. That was like now, the 90s? Right, 90s. Now, even though Coach D's last years weren't good, the job was far more attractive from Jerry Donato and Nick Saban than it could have thought about being from Hallman to Donato. That's a good point. And it's not nowhere. It, there's nowhere. Like, you, you mean, you, you look at it. This is not a situation where it's, okay, you're starting from ground up, you blow. No, this it's not like that here. It's not like that. And that's to me, that's a sign of the times. That's a sign of good hiring. And even it's almost, I guess you maybe can compare it a little bit to Georgia. You know, even though Georgia was not bad. I mean, Mark Rick had a good season. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't the season one. And look, it was, what <laughs> now, was so now, amazing there is that. that slate the, cleaning oh, yeah. has not worked out yeah. that well this but season. But it's almost like, you know, it, Georgia's like the New York Knicks. It's like, okay, we're, they think they've won everything. They have one <laughs> national championship, and Vince Dooley's God over there. So, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't like that Mark Rick was behind, you know, somebody huge like Look, New Look, you're Rockman. preaching the choir in the Georgia. As someone who grew up in enemy territory, grew up in Atlanta, wearing LSU on my chest every year, I mm-hmm. I fully realize the, uh, the kind of false uh, expectations that Georgia fans operate under. There is a question there. There were conversations we had is LSU kind of falling into that same trap as far as what we expect out of this program, what we expect out of this team. I think I would still lean towards it's more validated here because you have championships. You've played in championships recently. Right. And because it has been proven time and time again, and we talk about it all the time, Ballyhoo, is that the right word? Uh, it, it, it's the fact that Louisiana per capita is the most athletic most fertile recruiting grounds in the entire country. You have more professional athletes come out of Louisiana per capita than any other state. And when you combine that fact with the fact that LSU is really the flagship, you don't have another major football power in state that you'll be recruiting against, uh, that is one of the key advantages that LSU has almost really over any other SEC school. Uh, When you look at the, the, the other schools around the league that have to contend with major in-state rivals. All right, T-Bob, let's get caught up on some afternoon scores here. These are games. Uh, actually, we have some that have gone final already. Number seven, Louisville, uh, bounces back today after a tough performance last week against Duke. They still won that game, but today more like the Louisville numbers, 54-13 to over NC State, the seven-ranked Cardinals, uh, up their record. Number 10, Wisconsin, and a true slugfest beats Iowa today in Iowa, 17-9. to And on uh, Thursday night, it was Boise State, 28-27 over BYU. Virginia Tech sent Miami to their third straight loss all over the Canes last night. Oh, man, what happened? In Blacksburg, uh, that's the traditional Miami fall. They'll get build up for Florida State, and then they'll start losing that's one thing mark rick's gonna have to overcome at miami and then last night out west a crazy one the over under in that ball game was 81 it was seven to zero t bob with one minute left in the first quarter it wound up being 30 31 to 14 at the break then oregon scored three straight touchdowns to take a lead then it was a lull in scoring and it wound up being 52 to 49 in double overtime cal 
over the Oregon Ducks. That's another program that's going to have a job opening. Mark Elfridge is going to be shown the door. So uh, th- those are some finals already. Now, uh, today right now, games in progress. Fourth quarter action, number 22, North Carolina 35, Virginia 14. Number 20, Western Michigan 31, Eastern Michigan 24. That's 516 left in the third. 419 left in the third. Alabama just took over the football in their own end of the field. They lead six-ranked Texas A&M 20-14. It's homecoming today at the Big House in uh, Michigan, where it's number three, Michigan 34 at Ann Arbor over Illinois 0. 14.05 left to play in the contest. Uh, the Cornhuskers looking to get to 7-0. and They're 6-0 now, and they lead Purdue 24-14, the 8-ranked Huskers. A good one in the American Athletic Conference, number 24, Navy, 35-21. They lead Memphis. Number 12, West Virginia, still maintaining a 14-point lead, go. and they've been playing excellent defense this season. Uh, they lead TCU 24-10. to 10. That's Burn the Big the 12's, uh, I guess you'd say, blessed playoff hope right now. They and Baylor. Number 19, Utah, uh, just once beaten on the season. They lost to USC. They lead UCLA 27-21. to 21. Uh, Also right now in progress, it's number 21, Auburn 7-0 to zero over Arkansas. That's early in the contest, 11 minutes left in the first. 5.30 p.m. kickoff this evening. It is number 5, Washington, entertaining Oregon State. Number 11, Houston, will be in Dallas taking on Southern Methodist, the Mustangs. Later tonight, Ohio State looks to improve their road record. The young Buckeyes, second ranked in the country at Penn State, who is four and two. Big game for James Franklin tonight. Number 16, Oklahoma is at Texas Tech, where Baker Mayfield got his start. That was with the Red Raiders, and he transferred to Oklahoma. Baker's Mayfield in Oklahoma trying to run the table and finish up at 10 and two. They are at Texas Tech. 23rd Ole Miss is here against 25th ranked LSU. Now we're digging to some uh, conferences, T-Bob. Let's see where we'll go first. Let's look in the ACC and see what's happening there. Clemson does have an off day today. They play at uh, Florida State next week. It was Syracuse 28-20 over Boston College. And as we said uh, Thursday night, it was Virginia Tech all over Miami 37-16. Now we're looking at uh, Big Ten action from today. And uh, conference play in the Big Ten, it was Minnesota over Rutgers 34-32. And Northwestern improves to 4-3 and 3-1, and 24-14. Later this evening, a team that's really fallen off the map, Michigan State, they're 2-4. and four. Four and two Maryland, and Penn State is entertaining Ohio State. Now we will look in uh, the SEC. And earlier today, it was South Carolina, thirty-four to twenty-eight over the University of Massachusetts. Two thirty-three left to play in the third. Still twenty to fourteen, Alabama over Texas A&M. Middle Tennessee. Start of the second half leads Missouri 34-28. to That's going into the third quarter. And later tonight, it's Mississippi State 2-4 and four at Kentucky 3-3. Three and three. Kentucky needs to win three more games to become bowl eligible under Coach Stoops. Tennessee State is at 3-4 and four Vanderbilt. The Doors also need three more victories in their last five to get to a bowl. And, of course, the final game in the SEC today is here in Baton Rouge, LSU and Ole Miss. Parrish Alford, who covers the Ole Miss Rebels for the Daily Journal, Journal joins us now. Parrish, thank you so much for the time. And uh, tonight, this looks like a matchup that is uh, one that, you know, not one on paper, but as we talk about things on paper, it looks really good toward LSU simply because how they are made up, what they do well, and what some of the things that have been ailing Ole Miss, stopping the run and holding the football, those are two things that LSU does extremely well. I think that is a huge matchup in this game, and uh, Ole Miss has struggled to stop everybody's run game this season. That, that's just not the place they've been able to excel. Uh, you know, this is still a, an Ole Miss team that I think uh, 
can be very explosive on offense. I mean, Arkansas showed that you can contain them for stretches of time. Uh, Ole Miss receivers struggled with some drops last week, but uh, I think they will have a bounce-back game. I think they'll be more focused, but I think Ole Miss is really going to struggle stopping that LSU run game. Seven underclassmen on, on the defensive side of the football. And when you lose a guy like Kendichi, but not only Kendichi, uh, Trey Eason was a guy. We got to know him a little bit, Parrish, because, you know, it was – with the Saints during training camp. I mean, they, they lost a lot of guys. I don't say no-name guys, but Kim Dietschy is a headline name. Treadwell is a headline game, Tunsil. But they lost a lot of guys that were a part of that program, a part of the class before that huge class and after that. And, and that's where you're starting to see them fill the gaps a little bit. And I would imagine that, you know, whether it's these guys, uh, you know, Hayes is a junior on the defensive end side of things, in the middle is a sophomore, Breland Speaks. Uh, but I would imagine that they, they are a cornerstone away they need to get some more interior defensive line play that was solid the last few years. Uh, you know, I think they can come after the quarterback better than they can in stopping the run currently. Well, they, they can. And you, you mentioned Trey Elston. He was such a sure tackler, a four-year starter. And not mm-hmm. only Elston in the back end last year, but Mike Hilton, an undersized player who ended up playing a lot of safety for them last year. They're missing those guys. I mean, Hilton was just a – you know, really a, a small player, but uh, you will remember the, the one-on-one hit that he put on Leonard Fournette last year. He, yeah. was, he played much bigger than his size. They're missing those guys on the back end. They helped cover up the fact that Ole Miss wasn't great at linebacker last year. Now they're still not great at linebacker, but they're missing those experienced safeties in the back end, those short tacklers back there. They thought they were going to be better at defensive line. Uh, this year, Deke, and, and, and that hasn't really materialized. They've been missing some guys who could help them there as well. Fadal Brown at defensive end has played uh, almost none this year. You know, he's a bigger defensive end. It could have helped against the run, and uh, he also led the team in pressures last year. And they're missing a freshman, uh, Charles Wiley, a guy they signed who was an early enrollee, did some good things uh, in uh, spring drills. And uh, he's not been available after an off-season arrest. So, uh, you know, a few guys that could help are not there. But I tell you, I think the big thing is those safeties, uh, Elston and Hilton, who are not there. Talking to Parrish, Alford covers Ole Miss for the Daily Journal, one of the absolute best. If you haven't checked out his work, go do that. And Parrish, uh, one, one impressive part of the Hugh Freeze era of Ole Miss is that even though there's been some disappointing losses along the way, uh, he has an uncanny ability for not allowing those losses to spiral out of control, for not allowing them to snowball and uh, go on to further and negatively affect the season. In fact, I think uh, I may be a bit off my numbers, but as far as I have it, they're 7-1 and one, uh, following the loss under Hugh Freeze, 2-0 uh, and oh this season. Uh, how is it that Freeze is able to get this team to bounce back and not kind of uh, wallow in disappointment? Well, he has a way of just getting their attention and, and getting their focus. And quite frankly, I, I, I was surprised that that was missing uh, last week in Fayetteville, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, having two weeks to prepare. I thought uh, they would play better there. That's not a place they've played well traditionally. And, in fact, two years ago they go there and lose 30 to nothing. But, uh, again, the receivers seem to have a case of the yips like we've not seen from them this year. Uh, they dropped balls, and when they start, if they drop a ball, this is huge in this tempo offense because they don't run it well. So if you get a dropped pass and then a two-yard run because you're trying to maintain balance and play calling, all of a sudden you have down and distance issues, and that's something yeah. that Ole Miss really needs to stay away from tonight. 
Paris Alford here with us now. Paris, looking now, uh, you know, because of, of what they lost, and we talked about Trey a minute ago, but, you know, at Rover and in that secondary, you know, with that Rover position, two red, two freshmen ready right out of high school. Hartsfield was a great high school player, Dante Anderson. But when you look on the backside, they got a lot of youth on this defense, especially in that secondary. Uh, you know, at cornerback uh, Jalen Julius, I know also more in, in Bridges play. But are you starting to see, is this a situation where Hugh defensively had to like, hey, look, uh, we're recruiting you, you got a chance to play, and they've had some young players play before, and that's a part of the system. You're going to come in here and play early. Are these guys legitimately starters right there, or did some of these guys that, that are backing them up, that are upperclassmen, they just never mature, never develop, and it's better, I guess, you know, the time, like they say, time is of the essence. We would we would be a step ahead next year by this freshman, red shirt or true freshman playing and getting good reps right now compared to some upper-class seniors we might use for a little leadership. It seems like that's, that's the case in several spots on the yeah, back end yeah. defensively. Well, you know, there is always that. These guys playing right now, you do expect them to be farther ahead next year. But the uh, fact of the matter is they, they lost a, a junior, a great experienced player at cornerback in Kendarius Webster in the first game. They thought he would be their best cover corner this year. And frankly, you know, there have been a, one or two recruiting misses back there. They thought C.J. Hampton, a junior, would be farther along at this point in his career than he is. And so you, you start putting those things together and you add to the fact that a lot of recruiting attention has gone to building up an explosive offense. And, uh, you know, all of those things come together to kind of point to some problems they're having on the back end right now. And, and you know, one, one thing Ole Miss will be able to have, and, and they've had great quarterback play the last few times from Bo, uh, obviously, to Chad, is you're going to have a, a freshman quarterback, albeit, you know, a red shirt with Shea, and you're going to have some good skilled people with him. And that's not the case. You know, he had a couple years out of Bo, a couple years out of Chad coming over from East Mississippi. But it's getting ready to be now. And Shea, look, he had all the credentials. I know he's got to develop as a, as a college player. But from a high school standpoint, I would think Ole Miss, when you're settled at that position uh, for such a long time, then you can kind of parlay one of those classes, another big class to add to that, and you're set at the quarterback position, for which looks like to be the next few years. That's going to be key for them moving forward, which would be about eight starters returning looking ahead to next year. Well, it can, and again, at that position, anytime you're a freshman, regardless of what you achieved at other levels, uh, you know, there's a transition period, but they really like how they set that position right now uh, with Shea Patterson moving forward, and, and there will be explosive uh, you know, players around him. They've really recruited well at receiver, and uh, so many of those guys, all those receivers are coming back. They're going to lose. They're going to miss Evan Ingram at tight end. But, uh, you know, they have recruited well to that position. They really thought they were going to run the ball better this year, and I think they would have, too, if they had Jordan Wilkins and Eric Swinney. But that position really took a hit uh, really before the season even started with Wilkins and then Swinney on the first play uh, of his career carrying an ACL. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of attention has gone to uh, building that offense, and there were a lot of pieces in place. Uh, they would be running it better right now if they had all those parts and pieces. But uh, they've got to build back on defense, and you can do that quicker, honestly, on defense. If you get the right junior college guy to come in, I mean, you know, you, know, you can you can make that move, uh, you know, a little quicker, as you say, than trying to get that quarterback and establish yourself for four years. If Shea Patterson is that guy for the next three or four years, he will be the first real. Uh, mm -hmm. legitimate high school quarterback that Ole Miss has signed and developed since uh, Eli Manning. 
Paris offer covering the Ole Miss Rebels for the Daily Journal. Three and three Ole Miss, one and two in the league play tonight at 810, a little after 810 kickoff here in Death Valley. 23rd ranked Ole Miss, 25th ranked LSU. Uh, a junior at left tackle, uh, a senior at center, and then three sophomores on this offensive line interior. Who Who is currently the best offensive lineman of the lot there, Paris? You know, I would say it would be Sean Rawlings because of his versatility. Uh, you know, he, he started at right tackle last year when uh, Laramie Thompson was out and they moved Fon Cooper over and did some shifting. He starts at right tackle now. He comes in and plays center as well. He's versatile. Uh, you know, they've got a five-star freshman there in Greg Little who has not had to come in and take over that left tackle position as Larry Tunsil had to do as a freshman because they've gotten good play out of Rod Taylor. Taylor's been a career guard for them. If, if uh, Little continues to excel, if he wins the job next year, say, at left tackle, then that's a much stronger offensive line because all of a sudden you've got Rod Taylor who has played both positions and is pretty athletic in his own right. I mean, that's the area that really – uh, Hugh Freeze has been building and, and trying to get up to a certain level of play. And you look and you see the guys on the roster that they are redshirting this season and the young offensive linemen that they have. I mean, that, that's a group that, that really stands a chance to improve next year and beyond. All right, uh, uh, Paris, uh, Ole Miss and LSU tonight. I think we know on the offensive side, big plays, where that would come from, Ingram and obviously Chad Kelly. I think we're looking on the defensive side. He ranks among the league's best uh, with uh, sacks this season at four and a half, and that being uh, Marcus Haynes. And, um, you know, Coach O, when I spoke to him Monday, he said, look, he said they, they can get after the passer tonight. So that's going to be interesting. Danny Ellis has been rising, but LSU likes to show some balance, and I'm sure Ole Miss is going to crowd that line of scrimmage. Your take, Paris, on LSU and Ole Miss tonight, how you see this matchup going down in Death Valley? I think LSU runs the ball effectively. I think that makes the play-action pass more uh, dangerous. Uh, I think Ole Miss will make some plays in the passing game. I think they'll score some points and play a close game here as they usually do. But at the end, I think uh, LSU will control the ball and the clock and, and win a close game. Paris offered. Paris, let everybody know how to get your information and follow you on social media. They can find me on Twitter at Parrish Alford, and they can find my work at thejournal.com. Parrish Alford. Parrish, it is always a pleasure, my man. Enjoy the game tonight. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. All right. All take right. it easy, that Parrish. Thank Parrish you, man. Alford. We'll come back, get you caught up on some scores, and uh, also still yet to come our game preview with Mark Menard and T-Bob A. Bears. I grill him his keys to tonight's game in the matchup, LSU and Ole Miss, offense, defense, and special teams and T-Bob's prediction. That's still yet to come in the final 30 minutes. Count you down to LSU and Ole Miss, the Magnolia Bowl 2016 in Death Valley tonight right here on WWL. Eyes are in Tuscaloosa right now, entering the fourth quarter, uh, about 13 minutes left. Alabama protecting a 26-14 lead over Texas A&M, and they are driving currently. Uh, boy, talk about this. Inter- interesting, uh, T-Bob, is that... Uh, A&M uh, or uh, Alabama's driving? Uh, A&, uh, Alabama. All right. Is that... Uh, we were talking earlier about you know high-scoring games last night. It was 52 to 49, Cal over uh, Oregon, and Pac-12 playing double overtime. But right now, T-Bob, not that there's any significance this, other than maybe Missouri trying to get bowl eligible. Middle Tennessee, 41, Missouri 35, with 11-17 left to play in the third. Wow. They have scored. Wait, t- t- they have both scored already in their first possessions in three minutes and 43 seconds of the second uh-huh. half. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, I'm thinking with Destin to get in the 60s in that one on each side. That's absolutely absurd, and it is the complete opposite of... Uh, did you see the Stanford 
final score from today? I did not. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Stanford falls to Colorado 10 to 5. 10 to the, 5. That's almost like that four point LSU. If somebody puts the over under at 17, what are you taking, right? Oh it's like you're taking the over at That would have been burned. That's amazing. Would have been burned. 10 about, to but five. you know, Colorado has turned things around out there. They Boulder, really is Boulder back? That's yeah. what I've been hearing. Well, you know, it would be interesting because the, the last time they faced a situation like that, they had such a good run with Coach McCarthy, and then and, and Neuheisel had some good seasons. But I, I'll never forget talking to him because he was a, a part of the Promise Keepers and Real Christian Faith and the Salianessa, and, and they had a good pipeline from New Orleans athletes, especially from the West Bank. Cordell Stewart, Shannon mm-hmm. Clavell, a lot of Eric guys, but and, and West Jeff Pitt players. But what they did, T-Bob, that kind of resurrect that program, right when he got there, they took the 50-yard line behind the home, uh, behind Colorado's bench, and that's what they made their student section. They oh, had nice. they had trouble getting power people. Power the students. Yeah, they the had trouble the getting, and that, that was a, a build of their fan base and they onto their national championship. That, uh, into I actually, the 90s. I actually got to play with uh, Coach McCartney's grandson, TC McCartney. Right. That's right. Yeah, LSU quarterback. He was uh, very very intelligent. Those are some legendary uh, days of yeah. there when he was coaching. No he doubt had, about he, it. He would he would sing on the place. TC wherever you're out. Shout out, man. Good Senior dude. writer at TigerBait.com, Brian Lazar joined us now. Brian, uh, this is a, a test for LSU tonight, and as we talked earlier this week, they'll see one of the best quarterbacks uh, in, in America in Chad Kelly this evening, and uh, that's going to be interesting to see. I don't think there's a question that LSU is going to come after him early and often. It's how LSU moves key around and some other players around and maybe try and disguise some blitzes because uh, Ole Miss is very young on the interior offensive line. They have one senior, one junior and three sophomores up front. Yeah, I think talking to some couple of defensive players this week, they really want to push the middle on Kelly, not letting him be able to get outside and hurt, hurt him, hurt you with his legs. So they want to turn him into one dimensional. They can keep him at the pocket pass, so they think they got a better chance. Brian, now, this week, this practice, uh, you know, as T-Bob said earlier, there's a lot of storylines here, but this is this is LSU and Ole Miss. It's the Magnolia Bowl. These two teams get up for each other, and, you know, Ole Miss has had LSU's number more than more than not, you know, since Hugh Freeze has, has been there. But, you know, in the last 16 meetings, LSU holds a commanding 11-5. to 5. Where where are these programs right now entering this game? Let's, let's just say where they match up against each other in the SEC West. Well, if you look at the past, uh, was half the last two or three years, I'd say the two Bulldogs are pretty close to each other right now. Uh, you know, uh, Ole Miss has finished ahead of LSU, uh, or tied with them each of the last two years. And, uh, really, the way that this, this conference is broken in, in, in 14 and 15, it's been Alabama and everybody else in the Western Division. And uh, I don't think that anybody has really separated themselves. You know, Hugh uh, Freeze, uh, during his time at Ole Miss, has seen his the victory totals go up by one each year, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Uh, and I don't think they're going to get that to continue this year. But uh, this is this is a big game for Ole Miss. You know, if Ole Miss loses this game tonight, that'll be their fourth loss overall. Their third loss in the conference, and you're talking about them probably being at best, you know, an eight, four, seven, and five teams this year. And uh, Brian. LSU's defense has been incredible thus far this season. Uh, leading the nation, I believe, in touchdowns allowed. They're like third in uh, scoring defense, uh, first in red zone defense. Like, there's so much to love about what Dave Rand has done. However, they have not played 
an offense of the caliber of one that they'll be seeing tonight. So my question to you is, by the end of tonight, by midnight or whenever this late night uh, fight gets over, what will be the story? Will it be an LSU defense that has been a bit exposed and its true colors kind of revealed, or will will we feel validated in our praise of the LSU defense? Will, will we be talking about how, wow, now they really have proven themselves? Well, I think that they're a good defense. I, I, I'm not sure that they're a dominant defense, just like you said. You know, the, the offenses that they so far have not been that uh, prolific. But, uh, you know, I'm expecting the defense to play well. Do, do I expect them to hold Chad Kelly to 10 or 13 points? No. Do I expect Chad Kelly to score 30 points on LSU? No, I do not. So I, you know, I think the LSU uh, defense is going to you know, play pretty well tonight and keep Kelly under control for the most part. Senior writer at TigerBay.com, Brian Lazar, check out all his great work pre- and post-game throughout the week. He's on LSU athletics and football like no other else at B-L-D-O-R, B-L-D-O-R-E on Twitter. Brian, LSU, Ole Miss, give us your prediction. Well, going back the last uh, seven times these teams have played in Tiger Stadium, LSU has won six of the seven, but all six of the wins have been by seven points or less. So it's been a struggle for LSU. Both times they've come up with a way away with a victory, and I'm going to say that's the same thing going to happen again tonight. Close game, LSU finds a way to win. I'm calling it LSU 27, Ole Miss 23. Senior writer at TigerBait.com, Brian Lazar. Brian, thank you so much. We'll see you in the box. Okay, talk to you later. All right, take a timeout. We'll come back. Our game preview plus T-Bob's prediction today, LSU and Ole Miss. Count you down to the Tigers and the Rebels here on Tiger Radio, WWL. Oh, yeah. It comes to all-time performances in this 105th meeting between the Rebels and the Tigers. LSU leading the Magnolia Bowl 59-41-4 and rushing off to great Deuce McAllister in 1998. On October 31st, 26 carries, 176 yards, and all-purpose yards a year later in Baton Rouge. Deuce 229 on 10-30, 1999, in Ole Miss's victory over the Bayou Bengals. It is our game breakdown. Here is Mark Menard. It's been three weeks since Les Miles was unceremoniously ousted and Ed Orgeron took over the reins of the LSU Tigers. And it's hard to say whether the Bayou Bengals' suddenly explosive offense and two-game win streak are products of a regime change or simply a softer schedule. We'll find out a little more definitively tonight. It's true that the Tigers have discovered the end zone with far greater frequency in their last two outings. LSU dropped 42 points on Missouri in their first game under Kojo, then poured another 45 onto Southern Miss last week, albeit after a halftime, let's say, pep talk from Orgeron. But neither Missouri nor Southern Miss were on the level of what awaits LSU in the back half of their schedule. As Jim Ross used to say, business is about to pick up. This week, the Tigers welcomed the University of Mississippi into Baton Rouge. While the Bayou Bengals may have found their groove on offense of late, Ole Miss is an OG in that category. The Rebels, of course, returned grizzled veteran Chad Kelly at quarterback. Kelly has tossed a touchdown in 19 straight games, and he's expertly led the Rebels into opponents' end zones over and over again during his tenure in Oxford, and certainly this season. No one this season, including Alabama, has held the Rebs under 30 points meaning the Tigers may have to have another 40-point outburst this week if they want to notch a third straight win and keep their loss column spotless under Orgeron. Of course, the good news is that Ole Miss can be scored upon. 
While their offense is formidable, their overall record is just 3-3 three three because their defense has been exposed in almost every game this season. Aside from FCS opponent Wofford, the Rebels have held just one team to 14 points or less when they routed Georgia 45-14. Contrast that with the LSU defense, which has held all but one foe to two touchdowns or less. Tonight marks the 105th meeting in a rivalry that dates back to 1894. The Rebels knocked off LSU last season, but they haven't picked up a victory in Baton Rouge since 2008. The bottom line, if the Tigers' newfound offensive acumen continues, or if their defense can do what no one else has done this season and hold down the Rebel invasion of their own end zone, LSU should come away with a victory. However, if Ole Miss has their way on offense, it could be a long, tense night in the red stick. It's the number 25 LSU Tigers hosting the number 23 Ole Miss Rebels in Death Valley, coming up right here on WWL. I'm Mark Menard, WWL Sports. Hey, Mark, thank you very much. Again, thanks so much to Ty Jacobs, our on-site engineer with us all season long, and in back in studio, Dave Potter and Don Ames. It's now time for his keys to the game. T. Bob Abad, T. We got about three minutes and some change. The LSU offense against the Ole Miss defense. Yeah, when you look at this LSU offense against the Ole Miss defense, Deke, what jumps off the page tonight? Doesn't start with the quarterback. No, we're going to be looking back at the running back. So here's some dynamic duos for you: mm -hmm. Batman and Robin. Milk and Cookies, Tom and Jerry, Bert and Ernie for the Sesame fans out there, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca for those yeah. more among you know my line of thought, and then now Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis. When you look at Geis, he currently is averaging for his career Deke 8.8 yards per carry. Ooh. Got to 1,000 yards in just 113 carries, quickest in school history to do so. He's at 150 yards at least in each of the three games that Leonard Fournette has missed, and it's caused the fan base to absolutely fall in love with him now. Funnily enough, as good as Geis is, Leonard Fournette's even better, right? I mean, we saw it last year. You saw what he did even injured this year against Auburn. Having those two back and the impact that they can have is, well, it's invaluable, especially when you look at this Rebel defense giving up 212 on the ground per game. That's 12th in the SEC. I think they're actually last in the league in yards per rush allowed. So LSU has to take advantage on the ground, and that a lot of that's going to start with Danny Atling in this offense, unlocking him with the deep threat. But uh, I cannot wait to see the dynamic duo of the Tiger backfield in action this afternoon. Ole Miss, about a 60-40 ratio, pass to rush, not as balanced as they want to be. They come in with their credentials, a pass team that passes a lot. Their teams that they play, their opponents averaging 80 offensive, offensive snaps per game, and their opponents are holding the ball 13, 12 minutes and 43 seconds more per contest. LSU's defense will get plenty of opportunities against a passing quarterback tonight. Yeah, and look, and, and if we're aware of numbers like that, then you know Hugh Freeze and his staff are aware of numbers like that. And that explains why they were able to jump out to such big leagues but then not hold on to him because they have no ability to control the clock. One thing that will be interesting to, 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 to look out for, Deke, is Auburn this season, when they played LSU, they slowed it down. They, mm -hmm. they, they, they leaned into their power rushing attack. They came with a completely different game plan. I'll be interested to see if Ole Miss tries to do something similar. And when you're talking about the LSU defense, we've really ignored them for large stretches this season. And it's a testament to how they played. They've been so consistent. They've been so dominant that you start to expect these type of performances. However, they have not faced a side, as we've discussed at length. They have not faced a side like the one they'll square off against tonight in Chad Kelly and this Rebel attack. And this represents the first true test for Dave Aranda and this defense, and it will reveal just how excited we should be moving forward. So in a season in which we've talked about the offense 
way, you know, week after week, it's been the main subject tonight. I'm focused in on this Tiger defense. Uh, Arden Key, Kendall Beckwith, can they stop Chad Kelly? All right, T-Bob, 20 seconds. The prediction, LSU's a six-point favorite. What's the score? I like LSU to cover, man. Look, it's like we've been saying, from a matchup standpoint, I like the Tigers. Good rushing game against bad rushing defense. Ole Miss likes to pass the ball. LSU has a great secondary. I got the Tigers 34-35-21. He's at T-Bob 53 on Twitter. I'm at Deke Big Chief. Thanks so much to Todd Jacobs. All I want to help Casey Wayne right back in studio. Dave Potter and Don Ames. Up next, it's LSU and Ole Miss. T-Bob, take them to the network. This is it, boys. 8 p.m. kickoff Saturday night in Death Valley. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.